Hello, King of Kings family. So great to be with you again today, um, welcoming you wherever you're watching from. Maybe you're watching from Israel. So happy to have you and trust you had a great Hanukkah season, or perhaps you're one of our friends uh, around the world watching on King's Community Live, Facebook Live, or even YouTube Live. We're so happy to have you today. Uh, again, trust you had a great Hanukkah and wishing you a great holiday season moving forward. A quick update from Israel. Um, they tried to put the kids back in school. Uh, they're having a little trouble with that, so keep praying with us. Uh, COVID numbers have spiked again. They are considering yet another five-week full lockdown, so we'll keep you posted. We haven't heard the final word on that just yet. Keep praying for us, uh, friends. If you, if you didn't know from around the world, we haven't been able to meet since the end of February, the beginning of March in our congregational setting, so we are looking forward to let's hopefully get past this thing. We're trusting God. We're, he's protecting us. He's healing us. Uh, we trust you, you're healthy. And if you need prayer, send your prayer request to us at WePray at kkcj.org. Hey, listen, as we jump into the beginning of the year, January 1st, we're gonna be starting a 21-day prayer session. Each day is gonna be led by a different leader in King of Kings Community Jerusalem. It's gonna give you a chance to meet some of our leaders and, and hear how each one brings their own uh, uh, gifting and personality to the prayer circle. We hope you can mark that on your calendar. Join us for a, a few minutes each day. We'll give you a few more details uh, next week in terms of how to connect with those 21 days of prayer, but we're excited to do this together as a community. I'm sure there's not a better time in history to pray for our country, to pray for the believers, to pray for what God's doing in the world and his will to be done than right now. We know how much darkness and deception there is already. Join us in this prayer. So let's get started today in the Word of God. I'm very excited to bring this to you. Listen, God has a, an amazing plan. He has a design for the earth. And since the uh, fall of man, since sin entered the earth, God's design of redemption has been put into place. It's a beautiful design, not only for humanity, but also for all of his creation, the animals, the earth also. We hear of believers one day getting our redeemed bodies, but also there's a new heaven, there's a new earth, there's the new Jerusalem because God wants to redeem all of his creation. He doesn't do random, so we know that his plan is well thought out. He's designed it from long ago. He's described this plan uh, to us through the scriptures, through many of the prophets and, and his leaders, and this plan includes when Yeshua needed to come to us as our perfect sacrifice and as our high priest. I'm gonna read you a scripture, Hebrews chapter 10 today. Starting in verse 10. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Yeshua the Messiah once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, speaking of Yeshua, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. You see, today, friends, in keeping with the season that the world around us is certainly celebrating, I wanted to talk about the timing of the birth of Yeshua. Now listen, let me clarify. I'm not gonna focus on the timing within the year when he was born. We've already covered that. Go back in our archives, 
look at the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, where we lay out a lot of prophetic implications, connecting scriptures, words of the prophets, and prophetic symbolism, why we believe one of the options is that Yeshua could have been born in the fall around the Sukkot Feast of Tabernacles season. We offer that as an option. But I'm not covering that today. Go check that in the archives. Today, I'm not talking about Yeshua's birth in the year, but rather the importance of the timing of his birth in history. Why was it so important that he was born when he was born? So let's take that journey together for just a few minutes. Uh, connect with us. Get your devices out. Get your Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. You see, when I was meditating on that verse, what stood out to me wasn't all the names. It wasn't even the census. It was the phrase that said, in those days. And that jumped out to me, just highlighting how much God had planned and designed the redemption of the world through the work of Yeshua and through his coming and through his sacrifice in those days. It's almost like God was saying, guys, that was the timing I've been telling you about. That's what I have been preparing for, uh, for years and centuries and millennia past. As a matter of fact, that scripture actually paints a little bit of a framework of the time period we're talking about where Herod the Great was king of Judea in 37 BC till 4 AD or BCE. And then Herod Antipas was a king of Judea after that. So we know that there was a change of Herods. Why am I bringing up that, that historical timeline? Because there was a change of Herods. There was a change of kings in the area right around the birth of Messiah shortly thereafter. And that comes into play, of course, when we read the scriptures. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Yeshua was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, it's important to know that King Herod was in power and that it was King Herod who called for the death of the Jewish baby boys. This links Yeshua's birth with the pharaohs in Egypt and that prophetic symbolism as well, but it also links us with the prophetic words that came out of Hosea chapter 11. I'm going to read from Matthew 2, but he's actually quoting from Hosea 11. Listen to this. Matthew 2, verse 12. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they, being the Magi we just read about, they returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. So now we see that scripture is true, that there was a switch of kings right after Yeshua was born. Stay there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I have called my son. Hosea chapter 11, verse one. This is the fulfillment of that prophecy. You know, Yeshua's family, Joseph, Miriam, they don't, they don't go to Egypt unless Herod has a death threat. And there's not a death threat unless Herod's in power. And then we know that the angel tells him, stay there until he, he dies. There will be a new king, then you can return. 
And of course, it fits the timeline of history perfectly, but that was spoken way back in Hosea's time, prophesied that he would go to Egypt and have to come out of Egypt, caused by the death threat of Herod. So that links us with a historical timeline that is so well designed by God. There's many other things we want to touch on today. There was the corruption of the, uh, the system of Judaism, the system of the temple and worship at the time as well. This corruption of the priesthood when Yeshua was still ministering on earth. Let me read a little passage of this, Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, first verse 1 and 2. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod the Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of Ituria, and Traconitus and Lysanias Tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. So we're introducing some, some characters here, but the more important ones are John, that's the cousin of Yeshua, John the Immerser, and we're talking about two high priests, Annas and Caiaphas. Well, this is corruption, because this is not biblical. There can't be two high priests. There has to be one high priest, and now our, our country is being influenced by a system for which God did not design. And of course, John was born of Zechariah of the Levitical priesthood. He was born into the priesthood. He should have served in the temple, but John had to reject. He felt led to reject the priesthood because Judaism was functioning at that time in a corrupt way. This was not the only way of corruption. This is just one example where they had two high priests instead of one like God designed. And so not only is the timing of Herod prophesied about and important in the birth of Yeshua, the timing of John is important. The timing of the corruption of the temple is important as well. But John is also prophesied about. Let me read the same chapter, the next two verses. So now I'm in Luke 3, verse 3 and 4. John went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching the immersion of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight paths for him. You see, the Bible predicts that John was coming to prepare the way of the Lord. That is spoken of Isaiah's time. Isaiah spoke this about John who would lead the way for Yeshua. And Hosea spoke of Herod's time. So you can see well back in the prophetic writings that God is already looking forward and already telling us when Yeshua would be born in the time of Herod, in the time of John, in the time of the corruption of the temple and of the priesthood. And this, this importance of historical timing just grows and grows the more we look at Scripture. You see, it was important that Yeshua came and ministered on earth while the temple still stood. Now, let's, let's look at it from both angles. It was important that he came to the earth after the exiles had returned because the temple had to be rebuilt. So that gave us a little bit of a hint. But then he had to be born and minister before the temple was destroyed again. So the window gets really narrow of for when Yeshua needed to be born and minister on earth. This is why Hebrews uh, gives us all kind of imagery and, and prophetic elements. And it talks about Yeshua being the perfect high priest the perfect sacrifice for sin. Now, um, it's important that he was 
ministering while the temple stood because of the backdrop of the temple, of all of the sacrificial system. The imagery that he's trying to show us of how he performs these functions for us, how he makes atonement, how his blood washes our sins, how he makes atonement for the nation and for the people. It needed to be in the backdrop of the temple still functioning for the, for the, for the hearers of his day to understand fully what was going on. As a matter of fact, it's Luke 19, again quoting Isaiah, where he says, my house shall be a house of prayer. So we know that the house of the Lord had to be standing when Yeshua was gonna be on earth. So now we have Herod, we have the death threats, we have sending them to Egypt by an angel's word. The, the prophet saying, I'm gonna call him back out of Egypt, so that became important. Corruption of the priesthood, two high priests, that's not biblical. John being prophesied about by Isaiah, John making the way of the Lord, the temple needing to be rebuilt after the exiles, but not destroyed yet by the Romans. This little window in history is so important. It should build confidence in you, in you today that God knows exactly what he's doing. He's, he's, he's already known from the beginning of time how he would redeem the earth, and we get a, this great privilege to serve in God's kingdom and in his design. The whole idea of blood atonement, Passover lambs, the Yom Kippur scapegoat, all of this needed to be understood in the backdrop of the temple still standing and the, the, the sacrificial system still being understood by the people of the day. Another important element there in the temple was the curtain in the temple. Now remember, the curtain separated the Holy of Holies from the regular parts of the temple and only the high priest could go in once a year. Again, the corruption of the priesthood, there's two high priests, they can't go in, there can only be one. But there was a curtain that separated the people from the Holy of Holies and where God's presence was, and that curtain was really a symbol of separation of holiness, that purification had to be made. Listen to this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 27. I'll take a quick drink before we read. Matthew 27, verse 50. And when Yeshua had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. You see, this moment when he dies and the curtain is torn is huge in human history because it's the moment that his death paid the price for our sins and God said, I am now removing the separation between me and my people. Notice, the curtain is like 30 or 40 feet high. This is a huge, heavy curtain. The Bible's very specific. It tore from top to bottom, not bottom to top. If it was torn from bottom to top, that means a man could have torn it. But when it was torn from the top first, that means the hand of God was above tearing that, bringing it down in a way that no human had the capacity to do. Why is that so important to us? Because if the temple is not still around, then the curtain isn't there. But the temple was there. The curtain was in place, and God used it as a sign to all human history, I have removed the separation between me and you because of the work of my son, Yeshua, the Messiah, so important. The timing of God 
in history. We could go on and on. He's the light of the world standing next to the menorah in the temple. Uh, he's the living water during the water pouring ceremonies in the temple. And people would have understood how all of this connects. It gave the apostles a lot of material and resource to explain to the people of their day all of the, the, the symbolism, the prophetic words, the words of the prophets, the scriptures from ages past, that it was all pointing to Yeshua and his work of human redemption. Let me make one more connection to you, uh, for you today. Daniel, the book of Daniel, another prophet. I wanna focus in on Daniel chapter nine. Go back and read it. I don't have time to read it today, but study Daniel nine. And what you're gonna see is this. The angel Gabriel visits Daniel. He calls Daniel highly esteemed and favored among men. And then he tells Daniel the specific timing of the rebuilding of the temple. We already said that was important. The timing of the rebuilding of the temple after the exiles return. And he tells him the timing of the coming of the anointed one. Now, much later, hundreds of years later, the same angel, Gabriel, comes back down to earth. This time, he's not speaking to Daniel. He's speaking to Miriam, the mother of Yeshua. Some of you know her as Mary. Here in Israel, we know she's Jewish. Miriam is her name. And the angel Gabriel, same angel, comes to her, and he says the same words he said to Daniel. I'm going to read it for you in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 28. Listen to this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's, that's Mary's uh, cousin, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Yosef, Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Miriam, or Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Miriam was greatly troubled at these words and wondered, what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Miriam. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Yeshua. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Again, Daniel prophesied the rebuilding of the temple, and the coming of the anointed one. Gabriel visits Daniel and says the same phrase that he later says to Miriam, you're highly favored and esteemed, and God is giving you a message by the same messenger. All of these things are important, my friends. The timing of Yeshua's birth in history is important. Herod had to be king. He had to you know, give a death threat, which sent Joseph and the family, baby Yeshua, to Egypt so that the words of Hosea could be fulfilled to bring him back out of Egypt. Then, the, then Herod dies and a new king is in place, just like the Bible predicted. And then Joseph could come back to Israel. Then the, the prophet of Isaiah speaks of John coming to prepare the way of the Lord, the corruption of the priesthood, having two high priests, the return of the exiles, building the temple, but yet not having the Romans destroy the temple yet, a small window of time when he could have come, the backdrop of the temple, the sacrifices, the priesthood, all of the symbolism had to be there so that they would understand what he was talking about when he says, I'm the high priest, I'm the sacrifice, I'm the light of the world, I give you living water. 
The backdrop of the temple was so important for him to be born and minister during that time. Then the curtain, the curtain had to still be in place so that at his death, that separation symbolic element could be ripped, not from bottom to top, top to bottom to show you that God did that. He did it according to his perfect design and his perfect plan. And then Daniel, Daniel prophesying by the word of Gabriel when the temple would be rebuilt and when the anointed one would come. He says the same words to Miriam, you're highly favored and esteemed by God. All of this wraps up, it builds confidence in us today, guys. Listen, in today's world, let me make it applicable to you. In today's world, there is so much uncertainty. Corruption is everywhere. It's here in Israel. We might be going to our fourth prime minister election in two years. There are protests on the streets every week. There's corona numbers still going higher in Israel. We haven't even met since March. We're trying to connect with all of you through our community groups and discipleship classes and our prayer times and, of course, our worship services here online. We know that around the world there are other governments really losing hold of the people. They're losing order. There's a great sense of uh, discord and dissension. There's going to be more diseases. There's going to be earthquakes and physical phenomena, according to the book of Revelation. Friends, listen, in this season, though we not necessarily looking at Yeshua being born in December or in the winter, you know, the Bible talks about the shepherds in the field. Well, they're not going to be necessarily in the field in the middle of winter when it's raining every day and it's ice on the ground. Probably not the time he was born. Go back, check out our sermon on Sukkot about that. But where he was born in history is crucial and important. And it shows us this. You can have confidence in your God. He has a well-designed plan for the earth. He has a perfectly designed plan for the redemption of mankind and all of his creation. And that means he has a perfectly designed plan for you. God knows what you need. God's going to give you what you need. And the more we yield our life to him, the more we say, you take my life. I have a free will, but I really want to give my free will back to you. I, I choose you. I choose your plan above my plans. That's when the power of God kicks in our life and the Holy Spirit takes over to help us be trained and walk out our God-created destiny. And we know we have a great designer and a well-thought-out plan. I hope that word encouraged you today. I hope it's very relevant in this season. So let me close in prayer. Father, thank you for your words, all the words of the prophets. We thank you for Daniel and Hosea and Isaiah. We thank you for Matthew and Luke, the book of Hebrews, and how all of it connects together to build our confidence in you. And I want to pray for those right now who are feeling depressed and down and hopeless and they're feeling like they're insecure and they don't really know what you're doing in their life, that the more we can yield, I pray that you give them an anointing to yield, to give back their free will to you, knowing that you will do much greater things with our will than we will do with it. And while we thank you for that free will and it allows us to choose you and to love you, we actually, we give it back to you. In the model of Yeshua who said to you in the garden, your will be done, not my will. We want to follow his lead today. Bless us. Bless our families with health and vision and passion 
bring in those that don't know you yet during this season. We pray in Yeshua's holy name. Amen. Amen. Remember, coming up at the beginning of the year, join us for the 21 days of prayer. Stick with your community groups. Get involved with our discipleship coming up in the spring. So many things the Lord is doing. I want to thank Pastor Mike for the readings today, and I want to thank Pastor Ray and the whole worship team for leading us in worship. Let's go back to them as we close today. Have a great holiday season.